Well, you may have guessed the, the, the message this morning is about light. And this was actually somewhat of an impromptu thought on my part here. But I, I thought it was a, a good way to get involvement with our, with our younger ones. And the, the message text is out of Matthew 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men, number one. Number two, that they may see your good works. And then number three, that they may glorify your Father in heaven. I'd like to look at this verse Try to go in depth in it this morning. Thinking of, of our light. It's a beautiful day. It's, I like bright, sunny days. Uh, I'm not the kind of person... I do like a cloudy day once in a while or a rainy day, but I like it followed quickly by another sunny one. It's just, it, gets, it starts getting to me if there's too many cloudy days. So let's look at this a bit. Let your light so shine before men. The origin of light. Where does light come from? If you have a light this morning, if you have light this morning, you didn't create or build that light. It wasn't, it's not from you. Now that sounds a bit political, but that's the truth. If you have light this morning, you didn't make it. Light takes energy. It doesn't come naturally or of its own. There cannot be effect without a cause. That's a, that's a law. There cannot be effect without a cause. So, so we don't, if we have a light this morning, it's, it's not something that came from us because we're not really creators. We have creativity that God's given us, but we're not able to create light of our own. The origin of light, the maker of light, thinking of this in a physical sense. Genesis 1-2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. The life was the light of men. John 1, uh, in John 1 through John 1, 4. John 1, 1 through John 1, 4. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He, Christ, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, through Christ. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men, the hope of men. There seems to be a, a direct physical, spiritual connection here. And, and we'll follow that, that thread. Jesus, the light of life, the light of the life of men. John 8:12 says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, St. John, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not 
walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So where does light come from? Physical light comes from God. We know that. We looked at this picture here this morning. You don't have to go very deep and you can see that without the sun, uh, there's not life. There's not physical life. You came to church this morning in your car, powered by fuel, by gas or diesel. Uh, And that energy that was used to propel your vehicle here was came from the sunlight. That it was came from, if you go back a little ways, came from crude oil encapsulated in the heart of the earth that was probably most likely brought about from the flood, trapped trees, trapped vegetation in the heart of the earth, heated to such a point that it created a crude oil, it's pumped out, refined, put in your vehicle, that brought you to church. That came from the sun, though if you go on back. It's a, it's a source of energy directly from the sun. And who made the sun in the beginning? God. So God is a source of all light, physical and spiritual. But physical is what we're looking at here. Without the sun shining, you know, we couldn't live just off of crude oil. If the sun would just quit shining right now, uh, we couldn't go but so long off of crude oil. We, we just take for granted the sun's going to be up there. It's going to be infusing our world with energy, with light, and uh, we go day by day, we're just taking that for granted. But without that, if that was withheld, if that were withheld for a bit, you know, we'd die of cold, uh, eventually wouldn't have trees, fuel, or coal, you know, we, we, we would eventually die of cold or depression. SAD is an acronym for Seasonal Affective Disorder, which is otherwise known as the Winter Blues, or cabin fever, or loss of energy, you know, eventually we'd probably die of sad. Uh, I probably would at least. We'd lose our vitamin D, and, you know, without, this, without the sunlight. So we, we, that's something we take for granted. Starvation, we wouldn't have our crops if it weren't for the sun. You know, remove the sun for a year, we'd have a, an enormous, enormous uh, a problem at hand, and if you remove it for two years, why well, the problem would be starved away. Uh, you know, within a short amount of time, the sun were removed, or that energy wasn't there, we wouldn't be able to live. We'd, if we didn't die of cold, we'd starve to death. Well, darkness is what happens when there isn't light. You remove light, darkness moves in. Genesis 1.1 says, darkness was on the face of the deep. It was the face, the earth was shut out of the natural light. There was no light. There was a void. It was darkness only. I remember growing up, I slept in the basement, and that room was dark. It had one little window in it, about by that, by that, and there was a man, not a manhole, but there was like one of these, can't even think of the name of one of these. Uh, window well, thanks, Joe. Window well there. And, uh, you know, I pretty much covered up the light, so it just gave a little bit of an airflow there. I should know what window wells are. But, you know, that, that room, all I had to do is pull a curtain across, and you could sleep in that room during the day just as well as at night. It was dark in there. And at night, uh, it was very dark. There was no way you could see your hand if you held it just in front of your face. It was just that dark. 
Well, I imagine that the darkness before God said, let there be light, was a, a darkness that was felt even. It was so dark. There was, there was no light. Absolutely no source of light even backing up. And it must have been a pretty depressing place. So light came, light empowers. When the light came, came life. With life, the evidences of life were creation, breath, the reproduction of species of creation, the creativity according to the ability of each of the species of creation. Man is to have dominion and rule. The animals were created to be creative in their own ways. The ants building their their colonies, the bees making their hives, the beavers their dams, and you could go on and on what you know different animals do. Creation, life, creativity, all of that coming into place. And then you look at the opposite again, darkness. Before that, everything was dark and void. There was no existence, no man formed, no breath, no reproduction of the species, no creativity of the species. No form, void, void, helplessness, darkness, space, lifelessness, no power. Look at the difference. It must have not been a good place to be. You know, even if we think of our of planting, and it's we're getting close enough there now after the first year, we can start thinking of planting maybe a bit, especially on a day like today. We look at our garden, maybe it's plowed up, maybe it's fallow, or look at the fields and they're dormant. And we think, well, they're dead, nothing's happening. Um, but there's, there's a lot of life in that field. There's a lot of life in that garden. It's dormant, but it's there, it's ready to go. You know, when God created, that wasn't there. Those nutrients weren't there. It wasn't ready to go. Uh, God created and brought that, all that into into place and made it so when that seed hit the ground it would sprout, it would take off it would develop, mature uh, and yield fruit he, that, that nutrient that's in our soil it was, it was much much deader than that, it was dead um, before God brought life in But light did come, and with light came life. So now we, we look at light, the origin of light, it came with God. It's there because of God, created by him. Now God says, Jesus says here, he says, let your light, let your light, that's your light, that's my light. He says, let your light so shine before men. And here again, you know, it goes back, my thought goes back, well, how can I have light? If you have light, you didn't create or build it. I mean, how can I have ownership of light? Do we have light? What is your light? What is my light? And in Matthew 5, 14, it says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Well, I think we need to look at this, uh, this light and, and figure out exactly 
you know, how we can have light, how we can have ownership of light. I'm going to look at some conditions here. I want to look at conditions for being the light. Condition number one is that the recognition that God has rightful ownership of every aspect of our life. In other words, he's infused us with life, with light. And therefore, because he's done that, he's created us. He has the right to every aspect of our life. The devil didn't create us. He doesn't create anything. He didn't create anything. The devil didn't. He only perverts and destructs. God creates. And God has ownership. He has rightful ownership of our life. No other human being created us. Humans have it in them, within them to be creative, to make things, to do things, to draw, to build. Uh, each one according to his ability. But he doesn't, human doesn't have the ability to create from nothing. He creates within God's sphere of, of creation. God created. He made from the beginning. And he did it with each one of us. He created me. He created you. Um, we're fearfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. God did it. So he has rightful ownership of every aspect of our lives, really. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We're none other than gods of Psalm 103. You know, unless this number one condition is, is of God having rightful ownership of, of our lives is really firmly seated in our minds, uh, we really don't have a good basis for, for being the light. We don't really have a good hope for being the light, letting our light shine, because we don't have it. Joined heirs with Christ, number two condition. Uh, Romans eight sixteen and 17. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit, the Spirit himself, God's Spirit, he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. So if we are the children of Christ or of God, we're joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we have a position in there with Christ in, in, in being partakers of, of God's light. Everything that God has. If you're an heir, you have... You're in the position of, of receiving a part, or in a sense more than that, in this sense more than that, the fullness of, of God. And he goes on to, to reemphasize this again. He says, not only heirs, heirs of God, but joint heirs with Christ, if indeed, then he says, if we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So heirs, heirs of God, and then he, he Reemphasizes again, joint heirs with Christ. That's a tremendous statement, joint heirs with Christ. It's, it's really incredible. I don't, can't really understand that. Um, you know, joint heir with the Son of God, of him who, who spoke the creation into, into existence. You know, the, the person, joint heirs with the person who came to earth as a baby, God incarnate in the flesh, 
joint heirs with the one who suffered the cruel mocking and, and humbly died on the cross. Joint heirs with him. Joint heir with the one who sits in the position of power and of honor today at the right hand of the Father. God, joint heir with him. It's, it's really beyond my comprehension, but it, it's the truth. It says it because God said it, it's the truth. And then there's kind of a reality check here. If indeed we suffer with him. If indeed we suffer with him. If indeed we step into his service. Into the service of Jesus. If indeed we share his passion for righteousness, for mercy, or truth. If that becomes our shared passion. If indeed we know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, as it says in Philippians 3.10. You know, if we've done that, we've become joint heirs with Christ. If we've not done that, if we don't have a passion to, for his righteousness, for mercy, for truth, if we don't have a will to step into his service, and if we don't know him in the power of his resurrection, then it doesn't give us any confidence. It doesn't tell us that we're joint heirs with Christ. <clears throat> so it's a bit of a check. Where am I? But if we have, we've become partner in the company. In becoming a child of God, we're born into the family of light. We're born into that family of light. No, it's not our light. Let your light so shine before men. It's not something that we've created. We haven't created this light. In contra, the light has created us. It's made us. And we come to life spiritually. And because of that, it's, it's our light because we've become joint heirs with Christ. Just as the earth was without form and void, that physical earth being without form and, without form and void, completely, totally dead. You could have thrown a you know, bag full of, of good seed into there, seed that was meant to sprout and take off, engineered and, you know, seed that you'd get from the big seed companies today. You could have, you could have taken bagfuls of seed and thrown it into that earth, and I believe it would have just rotted before God breathed life into the earth. Of course, there wouldn't have been seed, but anyways, you could have done that, and it would have rotted. Um, but... Now, just as the earth was without form and dead, you know, that's how we were, dead in our trespasses and sin. But now, because of what God has done, because of his power, the, the life-giving power he put into creation, you know, we have the ability, we have the light, we have life and hope. And God wills that we be brought into spiritual life. That's what he wills for us. Spiritual life and existence in Him. The other aspect of, his, of this, or the other way it's explained, is adoption. An adoption of sonship. Romans 8 15 says this For you did not receive the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're made joint heirs, we're brought into life crying out Abba Father my Father not a distant relationship but when Christ said let your light so shine before men he really meant it he really meant that this would be something familiar something we take ownership of 
because it becomes who we are. It's what we are. Our light shining before men, that they may see our good works. So here we go again with this good works thing. It always follows life. So they, so they may see your good works. Jesus said this. You know, good works happens when the light shines. Then comes the fruit. It's a simple concept. Light shining produces good works. And truly good works are impossible without us having been new created. It doesn't, they can't, good works, you can have works that are good, but not truly good works without a new creation. Good works lead to the light of the world. Good works lead people to Christ. Good works point people to Christ. So they may see, not just a sneakily done thing, you know, uh, over to the side and trying to make sure no one... Maybe it sounds kind of braggy. Okay, so they may see. Well, I think that Christ is not necessarily saying, well, go build a bridge so people can see, or go do something great so people can see, but he's saying, let your light shine. Let it. Let people see who you are. Don't be afraid of it. So they can see your good works. So they can be drawn to the one who owns you, to your father. It's not a boastful thing. Get your light out there. Let people know you're part of my kingdom. Don't be afraid of it. Christ designed, it's been said that Christ designed the church to be a battleship, not a cruise ship. And I, I, I think that fits in here. He designed us to be a battleship. The good works are designed not necessarily just to, for us to look cool, for us to be well-liked, but they're designed to point others to the kingdom, point others to Christ. It's a, it's a weapon in our warfare. I mean, it's a weapon in our arsenal for, for the warfare of Christ. Christ's mission was to bring new life to us spiritually when he was here on this earth. It's beautiful reading through the New Testament and seeing all the, the miracles that took place. I, I love those, you know, the healing of the lame man. Uh, the man there at the, at the Bethsaida well or the Bethsaida pool, you know, when the angel, he waited there so long for the angel to come and then Jesus came and touched him. Others would get in and be ahead of him. And then Jesus came in and, and healed him, healed his leg. He was able to get up and take up his bed and walk. Yeah, that, those, are, that, that, those, those things are so beautiful. But, uh, you know, I think that sometimes I think that Jesus didn't come with that mission so much in mind as, as that was just, that just flowed out of him. That was just such a part of him that it had to happen, those healings did. Um, he came to bring spiritual life and, this, and the, the miracles just, just flowed from his being. Um, you know, if he would have just came and done miracles and nothing more, uh, the story of the New Testament would be so different. He would have just been a good man. But he didn't. He, he pointed us to the new creation. He pointed us to God. And uh, he called us to, to a new spiritual life. He's calling us to the same. 
to bring people to him with whatever talent, without whatever gift, with whatever abilities he's endowed us with, he's calling us to do the same, to, to bring spiritual light. Not, not to glorify ourselves. He's bring, calling, calling us to use these talents to bring people new life. Good works will glorify God because they come from him. They are, originate from him. You know, any work that's done, and it can be ever so good of a work, but any work that's done that isn't the result of, of coming from the, can I say, the origin of God, I believe it's going to only prove to be a, a straw, stubble, and hay. It's not going to really prove to be of, of real worth. But when it comes, originates with God out of, out of the Spirit's leading and out of the teaching from the Bible, um, out of that flowing out of, like it, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of that, I believe then it's, it's, it's works that will really uh, prove to be gold, pure gold. The real results of good works is the new creation and the growth of the kingdom of God. Matthew 4.16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region shadow of death, light has dawned. Look at the contrast there. Darkness to great light. Uh, the region and shadow of death to light has dawned. Life, light, energy, creativity, newness. That's what we want. Well, a few practical things here. Um, what can we do to make sure we're doing all possible to let our light shine? What can we do? First of all, recognize we are gods by all rights. He created us. We're not anyone else. We're not our own. We're not anyone else's. God has full rightful ownership to our lives. Appreciate the light of life. Matthew 5, if you read those Beatitudes, the light of life there is, it shines through, the godly precepts, the life of holiness. Now, these aren't possible in our own strength and our own power. It's only through the newness that God brings us. Realize the danger of darkness. You know, darkness will only be held at bay in proportion to the light that's shown. In other words, you let the light die down and darkness will come in. You build the light up, darkness will go out. It's pushed back. As the light glows more, more brightly, the darkness is pushed back further. And we, have to, we have to understand that we can't put any system, we can't put any structure in place uh, to, to make so that darkness doesn't come in. That only comes from our relationship with Christ. That's the only thing. Uh, our relationship with Christ, our, our uh, you know, worship of him, our living a life of holiness that only, we can only do through him, that's, that's all that we'll be able to, to really keep the darkness pressed back away from us. And I believe we can pray like Job did, that, that you know, God would, uh, or that was said of Job, that God had a hedge built around him. I believe that we can pray for that. 
But we have to do our part in keeping a relationship with God. Ensure that the talents, possibilities, and the technical advantages we, we enjoy in our day, that the, all of these are used wisely. You know, talents are wonderful. It, it's great working with a talented and, and interacting with a talented person, uh, especially if they're humble with their talents. That's always helpful. Um, but talents that aren't used that way, that aren't used wisely, you know, they're a waste. And, and at the ba- at, they're a waste at the best, and, and they're potentially very dangerous or disastrous at the worst. You look at Hitler. You know, had he realized God's ownership on his life, he could have been a very useful man, I believe. And history would probably look much different. Um, but he didn't. And his talent of communication, his talent of organization, and all that he had uh, brought huge disaster. And communication, information, these talents, that, these, uh, these not talents, but these advantages that we enjoy today, they're great, they're wonderful if they're used wisely, but the road goes both ways. It also has a way of accelerating, going the wrong way towards darkness. And it has... Also, from a positive sense, has a way, can be the means of, of being of greater benefit in a good way. So it's, it's, it's important that we recognize this and be very, very careful that talents, advantages, possibilities are all used for letting our light shine. Most of all, Realize as fellow heirs of Christ that our overarching mission in every sense is to glorify God. No matter what we're doing, that our overarching mission, our overarching thought is to glorify God by letting our light shine. Not by making our light shine, but just by simply being fellow heirs, by identifying with Christ, by being one of the Christian family, and by living the life our master and, and father calls us to live. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And I like how Jerry Clower put that graveyard dead. Even when you were completely void, without any life, Christ raised you up. You are made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit in, heavenly, in, he, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what great Christ did with us. He took material that was void and, and brought it into sonship with himself. Isn't that amazing? It's beyond my comprehension. I just have to accept it by faith. That, that's the only way I can can uh, understand it. So where are we today? I pray that we're living, that we've been made alive, and that we're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and that we're experiencing the joy of knowing that we are God's. He made us, and we're His. I'm going to ask Brother Joe to lead us in a closing song, and, and then you can just... Close the service.